Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season four of Living the Sky Life. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Kathy Radigan. She is a writer, blogger, wife to one, and mom of two boys, 23 and 17, and a 20-year-old daughter with significant disabilities. She is the creator of the blog, My Dishwashers Possessed. Kathy's work has been featured in many online publications, including Her View from Home, Grown and Flown, Finding Cooper's Voice, as well as having viral pieces on Today's Parent, Huff Post, and Scary Mommy. She is a contributing author to the upcoming book, So God Made Me a Mother, which should be released April 18th of 2023. Kathy's current passion is sharing her experiences as a special needs parent on the Facebook page, The Forever Nest by Kathy Radigan. I was really excited when Kathy uh, accepted my invite to be on the podcast. I look forward to uh, talking to all parents who have years and years of experience because I know for myself and maybe all of you listening, we can all learn something from each other and the uniqueness of each of our journeys. So um, I was really excited to talk to Kathy. So please enjoy my conversation with Kathy Radigan. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Kathy Radigan. Um, you may know her from my Dishwashers Possessed page or um, what is your other page is um, the Forever Nest. The Forever Nest. That's right. I knew that off the top of my head. I just couldn't come up with it. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Kathy. I'm so glad to talk to you. Um, so what I would like to kind of go back uh, my last few guests that I've had on um, are the caregivers of older, we say adult children. Um, so I never want you guys to have to go all the way back and unpack from diagnosis day and everything forward because we kind of have all moved into a, a different aspect of our lives and our parenting at this point. Um, but I would like to know a little bit about Lizzie and your, um, your sons. Um, I know that you guys kind of have a a combination of, of um, things that you're worrying about and caring for with each of your children. And so uh, with your older son, I guess, Tom, you yes. first kind of discovered there were some learning challenges and some things with him, then Lizzie, and then came your younger son, Peter. Right. So do you want to kind of unpack how all the special needs world came into your sure. vocabulary? Uh, I'll start by saying I myself am dyslexic. So okay. I got privately tested when I was um, 21 and I was in the city at the time and I had met these great people um, who were doing some work at um, Columbia Presbyterian and so they were they were fabulous so just pack that put that away so now when I had Tom 
I, you know, he started, he was a very bright baby, a very intense baby. And he was always so, he was so intense and so observant of everything. And it seemed like his speech should move along quickly. Like he was very connected and it wasn't. And it was doing some strange things. It was like, he at like, I think he was like, 10 months, 12 months, he like went through this elaborate process to tell me that the bear on his wallpaper border was just like the bear in his crib. I mean, just went through this complete thing. And I'm like, something's not right. Why is he having to do this? Why isn't he just saying bear, you know? So it was little things like this. So I had him tested and it did show some highs and lows. So we, you know, I went right in and I, you know, we were living in the city, well, we were living in Queens. I, you know, called up my friend, the one who had tested me. We went to see her. She gave us a really good um, kind of game plan of what to do with him. Mm-hmm. She was a big believer in private intervention and um, public school, if at all possible. We were in New York, so we were pretty good. And, you know, we, she also knew he was going to set off a lot of, Tom set off a lot of alarm bills of like autism that were not correct. And whenever they tried to do things in a more, at back then, this is 24 years ago, um, it backfired. He did horribly. So brought, like we started really looking for private um, therapists and private things that weren't going to just want to do ABA. Not that I have anything wrong with ABA, but back yeah. then it was very different. You, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It was very different. And was it, it more really speech they were looking? Off. Were they looking for speech therapists or like what kind of we um, interventions? We had, therapists, okay. we had everything. Um, we had PT, we had OT, but he would, you know, it's funny. Tom would do these things. He would do behaviors when there was a specific problem. And I noticed this you know, again, I, I, I don't mean to offend anybody. Back then, it was very thought that if they have a behavior, you try to change it or redirect it. Right. So if he was, um, you know, getting not so much flapping, but if he was spinning or something, you know, you redirect it into a game or you redirect it. In, right. And he used to do this thing with his hands where he would like, because he loved Blue's Clues. And so he would do this thing with his hands. And I would try to redirect it. I would definitely get my attention. And one day we were in a mother's club and I'm talking with a friend and I was not paying attention to him. And he called over mom and he did the hands. And I thought, oh, he knows. That that'll get your direct eye yeah, focus. He, yeah. He, he's playing with it. Yeah. So and I could tell like whenever, you know, like he would dance around the playground um, when he couldn't do the slide. But once he did the slide, that behavior went away. So like I was very conscious of the fact that there were some other things going on. So I want I don't want to make it all about Tom. So I quickly things quickly got better with Tom. And I had Elizabeth and I was still focused on Tom. And um, yeah. But things were doing well with Tom. So I was really pleased with myself. I'm like, okay, obviously, <laughs> you know, obviously I'm good at this. Like I was happy with myself with Tom. I thought I had it all worked out. And then of course I have Lizzie. And so I knew something was wrong with Lizzie. She was a baby. She was about six weeks old. I was holding her. We had just finished nursing and I noticed that she wasn't looking at me the right way. And I don't know, this has never happened to me before or since, but I had this electric feeling go through my whole body. 
And I started to cry. And I said to Joe, I woke him up, my husband, and I said, something's really wrong with the baby. And thankfully, my husband has always been very supportive. Um, and he said, okay, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that started the whole journey with Elizabeth. We started, you know, we went with the pediatrician who said, mm, I sort of see what you're saying. Let's go to a pediatric ophthalmologist. And then I'd go there and they go, oh, everything looks normal, but I sort of see what, well, we'll keep it, you know, we'll keep looking. And then if we have to, we'll go to neurology. And it was just that kind of thing. And Lizzie was very all or nothing. Sometimes she seemed so in her own world. And then other times she would pop out and she'd be really funny and very bright. And she always was doing very, you know, kind of high end type of things. You know, she'd see my father and she'd run and get the pretzels because she knew he would open them up for her. You know, things like, you know, my father would say princesses don't pick their noses. And so she would you know, tap him and start picking her nose. You know, she knew she was there, Mm -hmm. but it was very sporadic. And so that this whole thing, it just, you know, with Elizabeth, everything just got worse. It just got more confusing and she wasn't really talking. And um, we went to, there seemed to be something with her ears. We, when she was two, we had a neurologist who went to, um, she had an MRI. And it, they found that she had significant brain damage to the oh, white matter wow. of her brain. So we okay. knew that. And I thought, if you have significant damage to your brain and you have an MRI, well, we're golden, right? Now people know what's wrong. Ha, 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 no. Um, it was not like that at all. We had to keep searching and keep searching. And Lizzie never really had a... Uh, formal autism diagnosis so we always dealt with the different issues around it um each time I thought I found the puzzle you know her ears were all clogged even though she was constantly going to the doctor constantly being put on antibiotics they never could see um, an ear infection what it was is the way her ears are uh, they couldn't see so they had to basically scrape it out of her ears when they put the tubes in So now she's hearing, okay, well now this will solve it. Okay, no. Then it found out that on the left side of her here, um, on the left side of her here, she could hear, but she had a neuro deafness. The brain and the ear were not working in tandem. Okay. So we got a, what's called an FM unit or an audio trainer and she wore it and I would talk into it and that let her brain know, oh, sound is coming here. Mm Mm-hmm. So that worked, but things were still not getting any better. And she was having behaviors and she couldn't talk and she would get frustrated, but she would then turn around and say something strange. Like I remember, I think I was either very pregnant or Peter had just been born. And I was like, Liz, what you doing? Cause I always spoke to her. It didn't matter that I knew she wasn't gonna talk back. And she said, I'm reaching for the cookies. I'm like, I'm reaching for the cookies. I That's can't a get my yeah. mom. And she would do the same thing at school. Like they used to hide her lunch and to get her to say like, where's my lunch? And they would, you know. So one day they hit her lunch and she's looking and she got tired of playing the game. So she started just drawing and they're like, "Uh, Liz, what's wrong? Where's your lunch? And she's like, it's behind the easel. 
<laughs> it's behind the easel. Like this isn't making any sense. So I was going from specialist to specialist to doctor to doctor. You know, then there were some physical components, medical components that were coming up and she was growing too fast. And it was just so much, so many things with Elizabeth, so many dark days of the soul. So eventually, and her behaviors were so bad. She couldn't sleep at night. It was awful. And she couldn't uh, explain any of that, like how she was feeling with her vocabulary. Could she? She could not explain any of it. Yeah. That's always the hardest part is connecting with your emotions. She really couldn't. She could get words, you know, sometimes little words, but we could not. Every so often I would find out something and I'd be like, oh my God, that's what it was. Like she used to ask for um, apple pine and I thought she meant apple pie. Yeah. So I would go out and get apple pie and it wasn't the right thing. And a year later we were at my mother's and she takes my hand and she goes, apple pine pineapple oh she just had it reversed pineapple (laughs) oh my gosh Um, (laughs) I don't know that I would have made that connection either I would have bought the pie like you (laughs) I mean you know and it was like we didn't know her favorites was strawberry because she wasn't you know it's just so little things like that and so what happened is we if things at school were terrible she was in district um she was in a good program in district, but things just weren't going well. And nights were awful. She it was almost she would almost do this um like seizure night seizure thing where she wasn't quite sleeping but not quite awake, and she'd be screaming. Oh god! And we were we had gone for a forty eight hour EEG, and she would be delightful in the morning, like really cute all day, and then at night she could not go to sleep, and she'd be screaming her head off. And the nurses were trying to help me, and we were at the bed closest to the window so there's another little girl also having the eg at the same time and so there's the curtain separating us and lizzie is you know still in full throttle screaming at the ungodly pitch the nurse walks in walks in walks in by the time she gets to our bed lizzie's out which is what she would do just out scream herself into a a sleep nurse goes to me mrs radigan did you do anything to cause Elizabeth to stop screaming? I just started laughing. Over head. No, but I totally get it. Don't worry. You're not insulting me. Yeah. No, I did nothing. This is what she does. So we went to this like very big shot neurologist and um, we were always, you know, trying to get to the biggest, the best neurologist, the biggest place. And we had gone to um, a Harvard neurologist who was uh, practicing in the city at the time. And he looked at her and he had a lot of the same things. Her brain is very damaged, this is da, 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 da. But he, he couldn't really do much. And I called him one day, basically crying, saying, I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, let's try some medicine. Let's try a psychopharmacologist. And he gave me a few names and I found a woman and she is, she died a few years ago. She will always be my family's angel. And mm-hmm. we went there. And I told her all about what was going on. And she looked at me and she's like, you know, it's funny. She sounds like an adult bipolar. And Lizzie would do these like wackadoo things. Like she would be, she'd either be doing nothing or she'd be like taking every stuffed animal and putting it in the cat, the China cabinet in the living room, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, you know, she'd go 48, 72 hours with no sleep. And people would, you know, the teacher would call me and go, is is she all right? I mean, you know, 
she hasn't had all that sleep. She must be terrible. I'm like, actually, mm-hmm. you your roof re-shingled because I could probably send her over there. Like yeah. she had so much energy. So um, I, in my infinite wisdom, because I read everything. And of course I did not go to Harvard, but um, the doctor did. <laughs> but with my two years of college and my acting school, I go, oh no, it couldn't be bipolar. Because what I've read, that's not how it's presenting as a child. And she said, no, Kathy, not a, not pediatric. I, she sounds like an adult bipolar. I, I want to try something. So she started medicating her like an adult bipolar. And how old was she at this time? She was, she had just turned seven. Okay. And that did it. Isn't that crazy? Um, it took us a while to get the right cocktail, but we started getting more of Lizzie. She, the behavior stopped and we started being able to do more, but it was kind of like, you know, we still had our issues. It was still, but things were so much better. We could go out, we could do things. And then the doctor had always mentioned that lithium was a possibility. And that's been brought up to us too. 14, they put her on that. And it was really hard for me because I had so many, so many little chances where I thought, okay, we're going to be, you know, okay. And of course, okay changed during the time, but okay to me just meant that I would get a little bit of her. And when she went on the lithium, it was really hard because she was starting to interact with us more and talk with us more. And I was like, oh, this, this is just going to go away. I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. Um, but it was amazing. And she's just gotten better. So, I mean, she's, she is significantly, I don't mean to make this sound great. I mean, she is significantly disabled. She's always going to need help. Mm-hmm. She, loses her words she loses you know she doesn't always remember things i think i'd written in my in the forever nest about something that happened this week i get her dressed in the morning i have to you know i i have to be there when she showers or she'll just you know she'll start drinking all the water and start Mm -hmm. choking or she'll you know she just there's there's a lot of disconnect there but i'm getting her ready and, you know, sometimes it's like, I don't know how you are with Skylar, but sometimes, you're, you know, you feel like you're playing to an audience, uh, you know, like you feel like you're playing to a two o'clock in the morning audience of drunks, you know, as a comic. I'm uh-huh. like, okay. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, Lizzie. Da, da, da. And uh, yeah, we are always on. Like I'm always on. Right. I'm okay. always on. Yep. You know, <laughs> no matter how much sleep I've had or not had, I am like, good morning. Right. You know, morning. I just... <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, and so I'm always playing whether she's giving back or not. Right. And I said, uh, I'm getting her ready. And she's looking at me. And I said, what's wrong, Liz? And she then like looked over to the cabinet where I usually keep her underwear and leggings. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, did I forget something? And she's like, you forgot my underwear. And I started, she started laughing. I started laughing, but it took uh-huh. her that long to be able to put that together and that's good for her to be able to do yeah so she's you know she's she's lizzie you know i mean Mm -hmm. she but our family definitely has psa ptsd from the nights of screaming yeah i bet definitely were traumatized by it they've always adored her Um, my parents lived close by which was good because my husband used to now he works at home 
which I thought would be really something I would like. <laughs> um, and, but he used to be away from like, you know, he'd leave the house at like seven, six or seven. He wouldn't come home until like nine, 10 o'clock. So I was home with the kids all day. And the one good thing about that is that we were very regimented. Yeah. So now that my husband's here, I mean, they're older now, so it's not as important, but it's like, I really do miss my old days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I love that. I mean, most of your writing, which we'll get into, um, you have a great sense of humor. And I, I honestly feel like you can't live this life if you can't laugh about the crazy. I mean, the screaming at night, I'm sure it made you in tears and probably at your wits end at times. But then my husband and I always like, will be in those stressful situations. And then we just look at each other and we just start laughing. Like this is really our life. Like this is, I, I don't know how we're getting through this, but we are, and we just make fun and laugh. And I also like about your writing is you're always honest and you always tell the good, the bad, all of that. Um, it, but you, you always seem to to wrap things up kind of with the silver lining, not putting a pretty bow on a situation that might be really difficult, but at least finding the joy in, in some of it and some of the experience. I have to, or this would yeah. be a horrible life. Yeah, I you try know, to do the same. I, I think it would be a horrible life if I could not find some of the joy in it. And there is actually a lot of joy in it. Uh -huh. Um you know, our family is definitely different, but I mean, we're, the five of us are very close. You know, we mm -hmm. all know kind of each other's thing. And even Lizzie, like, you know, the boys, like, so Thomas ended up, I had dyslexia. I mean, other, some sensory stuff, but it really just turned out to be dyslexia. And so he's doing great. He's just graduated from college and he's, oh my God, putting in applications for grad school, which are things that, you know, I, I was told would never happen with him. So it's yeah. amazing. And my little one is 17 and he's also, he has ADHD and um, also anxiety like Tom. And, you know, although never formally diagnosed, definitely I always say flirts with the autism spectrum. Yeah. Um, so he's going through his own hard time. Tom went through a hard time at 17. He's going through his hard time right now. So that's hard, but you know, it's like, we've already been through it. So although it's, it, I mean, there are days, I don't mean to lie. There are days where I am just like on the mat, like, okay, yeah. I, if one more person needs me. That's it. I'm tapping out. <laughs> and I, I recently went on, a, I've been on medication since Elizabeth was born originally for postpartum and then they just kept me on it. And um, a few months ago, I was like, listen, this is just not working anymore. And the doctor said, well, what's going on with your life? And I'm like, well, you know, Peter's having these problems. <laughs> And he goes, goes nah, stop. He's like, your life has always been like that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, is there something else going on? And I'm like, well, you know, Lizzie's leaving district. And with that, I start crying because mm -hmm. I was like having to plan all these things for Elizabeth. And it was terrifying me. So they put me on some new medicine, they upped my medicine. And then about two weeks ago, they put me on some new medicine, which one is making me very tired. But you know, I'm hoping it helps. And I share all this because like, I don't want to come off like, oh, everything is great. in Kathy's. Oh, life. sure. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not, but I do laugh because it's really funny. <laughs> I mean, it's how you choose to, we have a choice in how we manage all of this stuff. Well, and sometimes I, it's just damn funny. I uh -huh. mean, it's just, you know, you're like, this is hilarious. 
Yep. Yes, it can be. I just think it's great that, um, you know, that she's able to communicate with you. Sometimes it's, it's broken and it's not maybe in the order of things, but, but I would give anything for Skylar to yell at me. <laughs> it was funny because my doctor that we go to now after our sainted doctor died, she wanted to make sure we were in right hand. So she found us a new doctor and this new doctor is a little different than, than Dr. Ash. Dr. Ash was always very gentle and sweet. And Dr. Gold is a little more, she's wonderful, but she's just a little more stern at times. And she wanted to talk to Elizabeth alone. And Joe and I are like, oh, how long is that going to last? <laughs> no, we're yeah. sitting there. And like, Lizzie was in there for like a half an hour. And like, we didn't see anything flying, nothing going through the air. So we're like, wow. So she comes in and Dr. Ash goes, Elizabeth isn't feel is feeling very alone at school. And she feels oh my God. as if she is different from everybody else, which would be completely accurate because there are some differences with Elizabeth and the other kids in her class. But I go, um, yeah, Lizzie didn't tell you that. <laughs> and the doctor's like, uh, Kathy, yes, she did. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I believe she feels that, but my daughter did not tell you that. And she did, she used music, she used scripting, but she did say those things. And shortly after Lizzie came to me with a song that she had found, she somehow got into heavy metal music. God only knows how, I don't know, <laughs> nobody in my family does, but it was these lyrics. And I was like, holy, 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 that is exactly how you feel, isn't it, honey? So I started kind of, easing into like trying to accept the fact that she was communicating with me. And uh, just recently, Lizzie had the doctor again. And I said, well, she's getting very tired. And the doctor said, well, maybe we have to drop her Risperdal a bit. And I'm like, oh no, can't do that. Whole hell is gonna break loose. And she's like, you know, you always fight me. <laughs> and, <that process. laughs> and so we did and it's been great and so I sent her a message I'm like I'm sorry I always fight you like always you were right Lizzie's doing much better mm -hmm. yeah we had to come off of that one too that Sky was on Risperidone for a really long time um you had referenced a little bit ago we just took it down just a bit yeah it has been great but the lithium yeah. I think is what really kind of helped bring her back well I may have to take a page out of your book and like, uh, let the psychiatrist know that I might be open to lithium because they've suggested bipolar. They've also suggested, you know, possibly going to that. And when I hear that, I just always have such a tainted view oh, of lithium. Oh, me too. I was it's, terrified, terrified. It's like the institutions as used to just I, I did too. I people didn't up to on it. I cried. I don't want to be a I zombie. Who yeah. confided to me that her child who doesn't have autism, you know, doesn't have any of the things our kids have was on lithium and she said it's it's a it's a, it really can help yeah and so I was like all right <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but it was it was amazing and it's really what made her able to do some of the things she does you know um communicate more and it is you have to be able to kind of communicate with Lizzie but she's you know she's doing great as Elizabeth you know mm -hmm. she's not not the kid that I had hoped she well it's not what I dreamt Lizzie would have. It, yeah. But it's more than I could have ever hoped for when we were going through things. And sure. I don't Elizabeth for anything because Elizabeth is an amazing human. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she communicates differently, that just means that we have to open our minds and our mm -hmm. hearts to listening to her, not to change her. That's why um, I get so, uh, so angry when 
so many parents and my own experience, we get this just God awful prognosis at age two or three. And you're like, really? And I mean, I don't want Skylar to have to prove anything to anybody, but I would love nothing more than him to spell out something to that doctor. Like, you know, F you bro. (laughs) Like, look at me now. Thanks for just discarding me, you know, as a two-year-old. The boys who got the worst prognosis, which I always thought was so funny. Like I always like people would be like, oh, Tom's never going to be able to go to college. And um, when Thomas, now that Thomas is going to grad school, I'm like, you know, Thomas, I'm sorry, but I just want to take out like a full page ad. (laughs) (laughs) I know I would want to too. And I feel Uh, like the same thing, you know, with Peter, although by this point, People know me and my kids, so they're not going to say my no kid of mine is not going to do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Heck yeah, man. Um, you had mentioned a little bit ago about, um, you know, for New York, I guess, or at least in your area, um, that programs end. And we talk a lot about adults aging out of services at 21. So, yeah. and I know before we started recording, you and I were talking a little bit about just the planning phase and I started planning when Skylar was 16 and I, and it, I still don't have concrete plans because things changed, especially because of COVID and programs shut down. But how, what, what do you have kind of planned for Lizzie? And are you able to talk to her about what she wants to do during the day or? Well, we are trying to get a little Lizzie into it a little bit. It's funny. The, it, it's always shocks me when she does say things and, you know, um, you know, Tom just got out of college. My niece, who's the same age as Elizabeth, only 10 weeks old, uh, only six weeks older, is in college. And then our, my nephew just started college this year. And so Lizzie said uh, to Joe and I, I want to go to college like everyone else. And I said, well, you know, the program you're going into is will be sort of like your college. She's like, sort of? What no. sort of? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, when to take a deep breath? And then she went off to her Lizzie land. And I'm like, oh, I was never so happy to see her go off to Lizzie land because I didn't know what the hell I was going to say. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about, you know, she's had friends that have left. So we've talked about, you know, that it'll be different. And she she has to participate in some of her meetings with the case managers and stuff. So I will say this is what we're doing for you. Um. You know, she knows it'll be like a day program. She knows, you know, as, and the closer we get to actually, uh, we're going to be starting to tour them in the next few weeks and then hopefully find one that we like for her. Um, in New York, you age out at 21. So she is aging out in June. She turns 21 in January. She ages out in June. The problem is she loves school, loves, loves, loves her school. She goes to a, you know, a school for children with significant disabilities and she's always loved it. Um, So I am nervous, but um, like you, I started the process for us in New York. It's, you know, registering with OPWDD, which is the Office of People with Developmental Disabilities. It used Mm -hmm. to be called the Office of Retardation, but they changed that. Thank God. And then we started uh, what is called self-directed, which I know you said you've heard a few other people talk about, Mm -hmm. but that's actually a federal program, but it's probably different in all the states. Um, But self-directed means the money that would go for Elizabeth because she's a person with a disability, we control that. And by control, I mean, you know, we have OPWDD is the umbrella, then we have an agency that will be controlling 
you know, where the payments, how the payments are made. And then we have a broker to where, you know, who helps us get the programs. And there's a case manager. There's a whole system. I'm, mm-hmm. I've become my own little cottage industry. And then I will have staff that I can hire through these things. So Lizzie will be able to have, you know, a companion or a friend that can take her to, you know, if she wants to take a cooking class, or she wants to take horseback riding, that's in conjunction with the program that she goes to. And then we can pick that program and that all comes out of her budget. And there's, it's a quite substantial budget, especially when they leave um, school. So that's kind of self-directed. That's so nice. And it's nice to hear you say her budget is substantial because our budget doesn't change when Skylar ages out. He Oh, um, it doesn't. Ours, no. Ours almost. I'm still mean, on ours, the waiver, but it's like piddly hours. It's nothing. My, my, the other question I had for you is, um, which I asked of the other guests that have been on that talked about self-directed because they hired their, um, you know, respite workers or, or like, you yes. know, age, age, similar friends to take them places and stuff. Yeah. Our issue is if we had that, which we don't, but if we had that, it's finding staff. Did you, are you having any trouble finding? No, finding, although I will say when we were just registered under OPWDD, I never really needed it because she was at school and I had my mom and then Joe was home. So I didn't really use people, but if I did, I could have paid like just $15 an hour, which is that's what we get. Yeah, roughly. But with self-directed, I'll be able to pay about 23 or 24. So that should help a little. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to my broker yesterday and he, cause I said, you know, who do you find is more likely to like young people or, you know, older people? And he said, well, it's both. It's people who are maybe, you know, looking for a career change or um, have always worked with this population and like to do it or people, you know, who are just like my son or his daughter also just graduated college. Um, and you have, you know, younger people who do it. And, and you know, he finds most younger pay, uh, people like Elizabeth do well with a younger person, you know, the mm-hmm. younger person and more like a friend. Yeah. Um, I will tell you how it goes when I start hiring staff. Yeah, please. Yet. Do you interview I mean, them I too? And like friends that are like work in school. So I'm hoping that'll help. Yeah. But that is a challenge. People talk about it all the time and keeping staff. And he did say that, that, you know, kids, you know, especially if you have a kid that's right out of college and they're using this as, you know, a job either through grad school or just, you know, trying before their real job kicks in, you know, they're going to leave. And so that's just part of the thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the staff will be definitely different. I, and I'm very, you know, I'm very private, which is such a funny thing to say as someone who shares you know, so much of her life <laughs> online. on page. Yeah. <laughs> but I am very, you know, like having someone in my house can be excruciating. And so the yeah. idea of having someone in our actual life, you know, where they're seeing Lizzie and everything is a little uncomfortable for me, but it's, I will. It's a trust thing for me too. Like I, I the very oh, few I times, go there, right? yeah, I mean, the very few times we've had respite, I mean, I say few because I can count them less than one hand and he's 19. Um, you know, the first time they come to watch him and to kind of be here, my husband and I always felt, did not feel comfortable leaving the home. So we would just go on a walk or we would go up another level of the house or something just to be here in case they needed us, because I just, I, I don't, it's not that I don't trust anybody. It's just Skylar is a lot. And I think they all say, 
it's fine. It's fine. You know, I'm like, he might pull your hair. So wear your hair up if it's a female or, you know, he might smack you or hit you. Um, so just be prepared. And, and he's not toilet trained. So that's another huge element that we suffer from finding anybody. Um, and they all say it's fine, but then, I mean, it's not, it's a lot to be, you know, even for a couple hours to be hit repeatedly. And he tests them all out to see if they can hack it. And I don't know. So then they never come back. Yeah. We always kind of no. know that's going to happen. I mean, well, I mean, Lizzie is charming and she can do, you know, some things for herself. She can go to the bathroom by herself, which is great. She could, you know, actual care, care. I mean, I, I have to really help her, but a, a person would be able to easily take her out. My fear though, is like, I never know when Lizzie, like I'm always hypervigilant. Like, will somebody be as hypervigilant as I? Like, mm -hmm. will they, they go out? Will they be watching her so that, you know, if she's starting to think about, oh, we're walking past the table, I think I'll just grab that cupcake off of someone's plate, you know, like, well, yeah. they know that because I certainly can tell the look, yeah, you know, or, you know, if Lizzie decides she wants to eat paper, you know, Lizzie usually gives me a look like, ha, 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 I'm going to eat paper, um, you know, and I can stop it, but you yeah, know, somebody else. Mm, that but that's why I'm kind of hoping I find someone who's done this for a while so they kind of know the drill um and I know like the the few times we have met caretakers they've loved Elizabeth because a lot of people work with kids who can't talk at all so that yeah. Lizzie can talk and that Lizzie Lizzie doesn't really have any um, sensory issues per se so she loves to wear dresses and loves to wear hair oh that's what, cool though so, you know our first doctor told us um you know, she's like, this is going to sound very strange, but let's be very glad Lizzie is a very sweet, pretty girl because we will find people to help her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was, she's like, because that's just the way our world is, Kathy. And I was well, like, yeah, I'm sure ah! it's nice too, that she, um, she enjoys all of those girly things and is maybe the maturity level of a younger girl so she, she is she's like she a enjoys... five-year-old yeah. so right so on a lot of levels so i think she would right she would love yeah. it if someone took her or they went shopping or mm -hmm. you know yeah so i think um i think that's it so i i i you know i'll definitely keep writing about it and see where it goes but yeah i don't i mean don't don't let my calm exterior fool you i'm completely a wreck Oh, I think we all are back underneath. Well, I mean, you mentioned your writing and I kind of uh, alluded to it in the very beginning, but um, you've had quite a lengthy and successful, you know, writing career. Um, you started, so tell me the order of things. So you started the blog page of My Dishwasher's Possessed and then the Forever Nest, did that come later? Because I, I know you've written about your children and your life experiences. I always did. I started blog. writing, yeah. I started the blog mainly because like doctors and therapists and everybody had told me, you know, I should, you know, you're so funny. You should write about this. You know, you should write <laughs> yeah. about this. And so when Peter started kindergarten, I actually had a few hours to myself. And so I started writing and I, I called that my dishwasher was possessed because at the same time we had got a brand new dishwasher and it was in fact possessed. <laughs> so, you know, and I was like, of course we have a possessed dishwasher. Why would we have a normal possessed, a normal dishwasher in this house? You know, we're a crazy house. And the, so I did write about Elizabeth, but I wrote about a lot of different things. So I mm -hmm. was never considered like a special needs blogger. Right. And some of my more popular pieces and viral pieces were usually never about Elizabeth, even though my pieces about Elizabeth were always some of my most favorite and the ones that a lot of people talked about. 
Um, and a few years, two years ago, I took a class on social media and the woman said, um, you know, told us all we should think about, you know, narrowing down our niche if we wanted to start, you know, making more money or start being looked upon. It was going to be harder if you didn't have something in, you know, something easy to kind of grab onto. Mm -hmm. And I've been told this a million times that I should just focus on, on special needs. And I really didn't want to, because one yeah. these vloggers seemed to get killed. I mean, they were just people yeah. were so mean to them. Yeah. <laughs> and I and didn't still want are. <laughs> to focus my life on that. Yeah. But I thought, well, I do, you know, the woman who taught it said, well, you have a very unique viewpoint because she's older, you know, and not a lot of people are writing about older kids. Correct. And I also kept it more so it's not just for parents, it's for anybody. Because, you know, you could just, I have a dear friend whose husband had a stroke and now she's a caregiver. Never yep. thought that that was going to be her life. So, I mean, you know, or you can have a parent and all of a sudden you're a caregiver to a parent. So I wanted it to be something for caregivers where yep. we could make, you know, if you were somebody who had an odd sense of humor like me, you could laugh a little. You know, and if you don't want to laugh, then I'm probably not the place you want to be. <laughs> yeah, that's, if, that's know, fair. If, 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 if I, you know, sometimes someone will comment and I'll be like, yeah, take what you like, leave the rest. Like, you yeah. know, I'm not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's But I have loved these last two years because the community that is formed on the page is so wonderful and People, of course, they, you know, they love Elizabeth and Elizabeth gets a kick out of that. There are people that, you know, like her so much, but also, you know, people like you, I've met so many people that are in similar situations or, you know, people who are, are caretaking and it's been wonderful. I haven't had um, a lot of the bad experiences people, my, my friends have had, but I'm also not considered an autism blogger. So I right. think that helps. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, and I've wrestled with some of the same things as you. I mean, clearly my page is not enormous. Um, that is but, not mine. Yeah. And I just, but I, um, I, I love talking about Skylar and I love sharing everything I learned along the way, the good, the bad, if it's helpful, it's not helpful. Maybe people will forward it on to someone that, um, it's funny whenever I write something and I see people comment with someone else's name, like, oh my gosh, you need to read this or whatever, which is great. That's why it's I amazing. do it but I have an identity of my own. And so I struggled with that too. I don't want to be known as an autism mom. Like right. that is one of the things that I uh, was, you know, gifted, I guess, in the scheme of parenting, but I have a daughter who's a senior in high school and she's preparing to go to college and I want to talk about her and I have a career. And I just, I mean, I have a sense of humor outside of all of this stuff and things that I you enjoy. Can branch out, though. You can do other things. Like, yeah, I just you know, don't want to talk autism all the time. About, you know, your, if your daughter, I mean, there are places you can write about that. Like you mm -hmm. can go into grown and flown and yep. they would, love, you know, stuff about your senior daughter and you could, you know, they actually pay you mm -hmm. for that too. So you could Oh, really? <laughs> not a ton of money. I know nothing about nothing <laughs> about writing. I just write because I enjoy it. I wrote oh, my book because I enjoyed it. And I, that's kind of how I feel about you know, just, I, I wrote the book and I started the podcast and this, you know, back in 2019, and this is my autism section, like, cause right. I really want to share. And I, I've said this several times this year already on this episodes, but, um, I started this podcast to find moms like you, because right. I, I want to, to know what's next. 
and mm-hmm. be a resource for the parents that have younger kids. So all of us are sharing like what happens when they're 22, what happens with guardianships, what happens with social security, all the things that nobody talks about until you're in this seat and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to do what? Like what happens next day programs? How do I have well, find all that? Guardianship was something that freaked the hell out of me. Yes, I know. I cried through the whole thing. But... I, 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 I still am crying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I love that aspect of social media and of blogging because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really going to, I'm really going to connect with this mom because she is just like me. And um, so it's, it's been great. And I love your writing. I think I am glad I have, I I still keep up my dishwashers possessed um, because I, it is the place where I can make jokes about being older and (laughs) you know, having teenagers and I, I do silly, stupid memes and I like that, you know? Yeah. I follow both. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit too about, um, your, your sons and there it's, it's an interesting sandwich that you have with like your, with Tom three years older than Lizzie and then Peter three years younger than Lizzie. But, um, how have they all gotten along over the years? Um, you know, just as, as children and now as kind of adults, because they're all really about adults. Um, I think God felt sorry for me. <laughs> I honestly do. Because I have not had the sibling problems that other people have had. And I honestly awesome. think it's because God thought, you know. We've given her enough. <laughs> she's got a lot. I think we'll just give her a break. Um, you know, the kids get along really well. I mean, you know, I don't want to, I mean, definitely they've had issues but some of it too is because my parents live very close by and so especially with Tom Tom desperately wanted to look normal you know he wanted to just and I felt bad for him sometimes because you know we we don't even approach normal and when my letting him hang with my parents a lot and do things he didn't have to always feel like the sibling of a child with you know issues mm-hmm. and you know he could you know if if he was having a sleepover either they could do the sleepover at my parents house or I could send Peter and Elizabeth over to my parents and he could have a sleepover with just us and his friends and so that That's I nice. think helped a lot yeah um and Peter and Tom are great with each other because they can be really goofy with each other. It's kind of like, you know, no one's going to tell them not, you know, to, to not be goofy together. Um, and they both are amazing with Elizabeth. It's funny when Tom went away, Lizzie was always, Lizzie always used to have this thing. It's from Olivia, you know, my little brother and my little bother. Oh my God. Kendall read, my daughter read all, oh, we had all the so Olivia she would stuff. always say, you know, Tom That's is funny. my little brother, but you know, Peter's my little bother. I forgot all and about when, that line. <laughs> and when Tom came back from college, he's like, oh, listen, she's like, well, Peter's my little brother, but you're my big bother. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> because Peter is amazing with her. He will be like, he's the best in the family. He actually gets her to talk more than any of us. And he will just not take no for an answer. He'll be like, Elizabeth, I'm sitting here and I'm asking you a question. Could you please answer my question? And she'll be like, okay, Peter. <laughs> you know, Lizzie, could you just look at me while I'm talking to you? Okay, Peter. 
That's then such a neat bond, like, though. You know, if they're having a bad day or something, you know, she'll like go get Peter popcorn. Or, you know, when Thomas was working home with the pandemic and was like really crazed with school, she'd like bring him a cup of coffee. Like really, you know, they're, it's not just one-sided. They're very sweet together. Um, I think, you know, they know you know they they've lived it they know it the mm -hmm. five of us know it so i think there's a closeness there so no i have not had horrible sibling things and i well, feel that's so good saying this and people are going to think i'm lying um but i'll tell you anything else you want to know so <laughs> i'm not lying um, well yeah yeah well i mean honestly from from the hundreds of people i've had on here that's more the norm actually um i don't hear from a lot of people that there's horror stories about the siblings and stuff if anything it seems like like my daughter I mean the younger ones the only thing is sometimes she just wants to be away from him because he might pull her hair or he might hit her or whatever and um but I don't I don't feel that she is resentful in any way or feels neglected in any way by us I mean I think parents like us no but I was bend over backwards that. to, to worry about that I wasn't gonna right. I wasn't gonna buy into that. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not buying into this. Oh, I think Tom one time said, "Oh, it's so hard to have a sister." I'm like, it's so hard to have anything. Yeah, siblings are hard anyway. Regardless, not, of it. yeah, you, you know, you're you're not gonna get a pass for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't feel bad for my children because they have different siblings. I've never. I think it makes. I don't. You think it makes them better people actually like we didn't have yeah. to teach empathy to our kids they just learned it because they just, of and they know it and they're the one thing i will say a drawback is that they are overly responsible very yes and the anxiety is high with, and the with my daughter for sure my both yeah. boys are very anxious they have a lot of anxiety sometimes mm -hmm. anxiety over their sister i mean i've had story you know i've written stories about you know one time thomas was mowing the lawn and my husband said to him, um, Liz and I are going to take a, block, a walk around the block, but he probably couldn't hear because he was mowing the lawn. And he comes in, he's like, where's Elizabeth? Where's Elizabeth? I'm like, oh, she's probably out with your father. You know, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, because your dad's gone too. It'll be okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. How do you know that she didn't get out and your father's and daddy's looking for her? I'm like, because I've been married to your father for 25 years at that time. <laughs> Um, I'm like, if he had a problem, he'd come to me. He wouldn't just go looking for Elizabeth. It's like they're second parents, you know? He was a wreck. And I remember saying to him, why do you get so whacked out? I take care. And he said something to me that made my head explode. He's like, you know, mom, I'm sorry. I know you take good care of Elizabeth, but you know, you're always so calm and you never worry about her. And I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding. <laughs> What's the, where'd that perception come from? <laughs> but I think it's because I always wanted to look like I had it together. And so, yeah, no, I get that. Children's minds. Yeah. He thought, I don't get, I'm like, how about all the nights I don't, you know, sleep because I'm petrified of what's going on with Elizabeth and, you know, I'll throw in you two just to be, keep it all even. Like, mm -hmm where are you? And I realized it's because I, as much as I wanted them to know about Elizabeth, I did not share the scary, scary, scary stuff with them. Yeah. And it didn't help anything. They were more anxious because of it. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, I do hope that, um, you know, I mean, don't you hope that when they have um, your sons have families of their own and you know, do all these things that some of the the parenting rubs off on them, maybe not our like, you know, anxiety and things like that, but the fact that they can model parents and caregivers who do anything and everything above and beyond lack of sleep, guessing games with what our kids need and want. I just feel like we've taught them. I you don't can know. get I through anything. I don't know if they really know it yet. I think they yeah. probably won't know it until their parents themselves right. or they'll see it and they'll go, whoa, I always knew my mom and, you know, and dad did, but you know, whoa. Underestimated what they really <laughs> went through. Yeah, those people were really doing a lot more than I thought they were. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, both boys are very kind. They're both, I mean, they both have very eclectic sets of friends. Um, you yeah. know, I, they don't get nervous at people, which I like. Um, so I think all of that is really good. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I didn't, um, I don't know if this is a question that people like answering or have, have, have even delved into yet, but um, have you had a discussion with Tom even um, about the future for Lizzie? Some people Tom's are like, I'm not going to do that. No, oh, really? Tom started bringing it up when okay. he was five. Oh, really? He would okay. walk around going, I'm just so nervous about what will happen when you two die. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully that's not anytime soon. <laughs> five I'm like oh and and it's funny because my parents and my father-in-law had such a different like my husband and I were so upset and they were like well he should you know the old time their old grandparents well he should be responsible for his sister like at five at five yeah um yeah so we've been very you know we've let them know what we do and we've always let them know it's not their job that's something that I've always said it is not your job to do that I want Thomas and Peter, you know, if Thomas is looking into grad school now, um, if Thomas gets a job in another state, I don't want him to think I can't do it because of Lizzie, right. you know, yep. um, same with Peter. So, and same with, you know, when they get married and, you know, Thomas has a girlfriend now, I don't want him to think like, well, you know, I better marry somebody who's willing to take my sister because I don't want that to be the case. I want, right. um, so yeah, we have, we do talk about it and we're going to be talking about it even more as we're getting into the, I put off the guardianship for a bit. So we're doing all that now with the lawyer. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, yeah. We do talk it's a, about I mean, it's it. a, I mean, it's not a one and done conversation. It's a continual conversation, a but continual like you conversation, they know, like, you yeah. know, they know that they will. I always let them know. Tom got very sad one time at the thought that like, you know, she was going to have a different life than the boys and that, you know, would they be able to have her in their life? And I'm like, of course you'll have her in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll have a better life because of you guys, you know, and yeah, we will make sure that she is in a place where you guys can visit her. And I think she would probably rather be in that. I think, you Mm -hmm. know, we find some independence for her. Yeah. Kind of have her own life and move out. I'm not planning that anytime soon. I'd like her to live with us for as long as we can handle it, but yep. she is at some point probably going to say to us, you know, yeah, I'd like to get out of here. You yeah. guys, I'm sick of you people. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to live with some roommates, not yeah. you. And I, I do know. know there is a girl, she's a little more higher function than Lizzie, but she is living with girlfriends, you know, and I mean, in a, you know, in a controlled setting. Mm-hmm. 
So I yeah. would love to see Elizabeth be able to do that if that's what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie. I would also love it if now that she's gotten older, if, you know, she did live with one of her brothers or something, but that's, mm-hmm. that's something I'm sharing with you. It's not something yeah. I share with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that, I just bring it up because that's, you know, we go through stages, obviously, you know, puberty and then this and then that, and, you know, all of that. And, um, this is a conversation that has to be had for all caregivers. Um, because I think, like you said before, when our parents, God forbid, develop, develop dementia or anything like that, and then we have to be caregivers for them, there's all these decisions that have to be made that you just don't think about. Um, but you have to think about it because we're, we're not, you know, able to live forever. So I just, I don't bring up, what I've always done is just, you know, as Kendall has gotten older, I've just said, you know, you let me know when you want to have the conversation and I will share with you all the plans we have in place. I will tell you where his trust is, you know, and um, if you don't want to be the executor of his trust, you tell me and I will find someone else. I, I just want her to come to me because I don't want to burden her, especially going off to college, like right now in her life, this is not a primary focus for her, nor should it be. So I just you know, want to keep the conversation I said, open. I've really done it because they've asked, mm-hmm. you know, they worry. Yeah. So I've yeah. told them, I've given them information so that they know, you know, like they know the lawyer and they know this and mm-hmm. they know, you know, we're doing this and we have all these programs set. So God forbid, you know, there's something wrong. She's all set. You know, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, that's the best thing we can do for them. I mean, you, you know, know, right. I mean, you have, you know, I mean, I, I didn't want to do social security and Medicare and all that Medicaid. I thought, well, why do we have to do that? We have private insurance and stuff. And then you yeah. find out like, no, you really do need, cause that's how all this stuff gets paid for. Yeah. So you have to do this. Um, and now I'm glad I did because now they won't have to deal with it. Cause I've heard horror stories of, you know, siblings who, you know, they have a, a special needs sibling their parents die and you know there's nothing in place for the special needs sibling. I did not want that. I wanted, yeah. you know, there to just be an easy transition. My sisters were are also, you know, um willing to be, you know, not not take anybody in, but at least you know, at least be the kind of executor or the guardian mm-hmm. so that Tom doesn't have to have everything on top of him and he can talk with them. Although at this point Tom probably does want the full responsibility. Yeah. Well, um, that'll come from him. So, um, well, but there'll be other people involved for it too. You know, there's yeah. a family involved. Well, you've, you know, been at this caregiving journey for quite some time. So with, um, with all of your kids and in different levels and <laughs> experiences that you've had. Um, and I know it's hard to just kind of pick out one thing, but, um, you know, is there anything that you would tell your younger self, maybe when the kids were younger, or even now something in the last year that you've realized, um, just about parenting, um, a child with special needs, um, in some way or another that you would feel compelled to share with, with the parents listening and the caregivers listening. You know, I hesitate to say this only because I, I know it may not be this way for everybody, but I do think there is something fluid about it. You know, you're not always in the same place. Um, Right. You know, at least that's been my experience. You know, Mm -hmm. even the hardest of hearts with Lizzie did, did come to an end. You know, we were able to come to, we were able to find a solution. Um, 
admittedly, we were able to find solutions that were good. Um, I've had friends who've had to find solutions that were a lot harder, but there are solutions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's important to know. If To tell my younger self, I think I would just tell my younger self, you can do more than you ever thought you could, ever. Yeah. And your very weird sense of humor is going to help you. <laughs> That's great. I I could not agree more. We are so much stronger than we think. I mean, I'm just baffled by the people that I meet um, through the podcast or through, you know, social media. Just, I'm just, just so impressed by every caregiver that I've ever met because we all have our own little individual nuances and uniqueness with our children. Part of it, like all the things. Oh, it's fun. Weird are really what make you a good parent. Yeah. And that's why normal is a weird parent. Because yeah. it's all those weird little things you have that really come in handy. You're like, wow, you know, yeah. I didn't think that would help, but it certainly does. Yep. And I just, I, I've said this a million times too, and whether people are believers um, in something higher than us or not, um, yes. I don't believe that there are any accidents. I think that we were chosen specifically for these children to parent these children um, because of our experiences in childhood or whatever it is it brought us to this place. Like I agree I, with that too. And yeah. I, think, I just, I think our children pick us. Yeah, uh, I do too. I don't know. I'm so going to have to ask I, Skylar I why. <laughs> all the time when I had, you know, therapists here all the time when I was pregnant with Peter, I'm like, I think we should just start giving him therapy now. And people are like, that's a horrible thing to say. And I'm like, why would a child pick me if they didn't have something to go through? It would be a waste of time. That's true. Don't, yeah. You know, pick a normal parent if you want a normal childhood. But if you have a kid who's like, oh, I'm going to have these things to work out, I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's definitely, I'm sure, a point to all of it. We may never know in this lifetime what it is, but Skylar definitely keeps me on my toes. And maybe that's I a good thing. I love my kids and I mm-hmm. love my family. And that mm-hmm. part of me has helped, I think. Yeah. Yep. If you just embrace it, like you said, you're never in the same. That's the biggest takeaway that I love that you said is we're never in the same place. Even tomorrow, I'm going to be different. I'm going to handle things differently than I did the day before because we learn. I know that's hard because I know some people are in a a constant, you know, same, same (laughs) lack of sleep, lack of all. Yeah. They would know that it's probably not, you know, even Mm -hmm. the way you deal with it is different. Yep. Yep. I agree. You're so wonderful. Thank you so much for your candid conversation with me today. (laughs) And people, I will link up your, um, your pages so people can follow you if they aren't already and read your wonderful writing. Um, and I wish you all the best with your family and I know we'll be in touch. Yes. You take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of living the sky life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.